We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Monday late afternoon. It's June 19th. And on today's show, we'll have Chris Hine from the Star Tribune joining us. Chris had the chance to interview Nas Reed late last week. So we'll get into some of Nas's comments from that article that Chris wrote just kind of about his upcoming free agency decision. That'll be the final 30, 35 minutes of this episode. But I wanted to start. Uh, this went out solo by talking about the Bradley Beal trade that went down on Sunday. I want to get in that sort of to follow up on what Britt and I were talking about last week uh, in relation to Beal, which was the idea that Beal's trade market would be relevant to track from a Wolves perspective in that it could be an indicator of how the market for trading a player like Rudy Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns could be evolving in this new era of a new collective bargaining bargaining agreement. Uh, if nothing else, what Beal was was traded for at least highlights the difference from what the market was a summer ago when Gobert was traded for. So we've gone through a lot many times, but I'll do it again. A, a first round pick that became Walker Kessler, a late first round pick, uh, three unprotected first round picks, and then the final of those four first round picks they traded was a top five protected first. There was also a pick swap in there, along with the salary filler of Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, and Leandro Balmaro. Now, Beal, as you've all seen, was, was traded for a very different return. Uh, one main factor in there, which we'll get into a little bit, is that Beal had a no-trade clause, which had some impact on his trade value dipping significantly below what that Gobert uh, hall was. And Again, we, we'll, we'll touch on that no-trade clause a little bit. I think it's kind of funky factored away. We don't have a lot of things to go off of what the impact of a player having a no-trade clause is in their contract. But still, it's worth pointing out that what Beal was traded for was significantly less than the Gobert price 12 months ago. And while the deal hasn't been finalized yet, Beal functionally was swapped for the expiring contracts of Chris Paul and Landry Shamit. Two players that don't necessarily hold negative trade value on their contracts, but two players that don't necessarily hold positive value on those contracts either. The Paul and Shamit expirings were traded for Beal, along with two pick swaps and what they're calling right now a handful of second round picks. What that means, if 
we say that Paul and Shamit are neutral contracts is that Beal's positive value that he was traded for was just two pick swaps and those seconds. So what exactly is the value of that? Well, the, the pick swaps only end up having value if Phoenix has a better draft pick than Washington down the line, which is possible, uh, but not exactly probable, given that Phoenix is going for it right now and will be for the foreseeable future. And Washington is rebuilding and will be for the foreseeable future. So those pick swaps might never even come to fruition. And the seconds do hold some value, as you know we've talked about that in the Mike Conley, D'Angelo Russell swap. There was three seconds that the Wolves got back in that. And sometimes we only give value to seconds and the idea that's like, well, what, what are you even going to get in the second round? And, you know, sometimes there are some things, Draymond Green, Nicole Jokic, but yeah, generally speaking, a second round pick doesn't hold a ton of value in, you know, what player could be drafted there, but it holds some. And those seconds end up kind of being trade chips often more often than they're viewed as strict value for um, what, what the players could be. So they could get up to six second round picks from Phoenix. Again, this hasn't been finalized. I think the assumption is that it will be close to the six seconds that Phoenix, you know, has available to be able to trade. So what we know know is that Beal was traded, was only traded as a slightly positive value on his contract. And I think, again, that's important to think about as we think about this through a Rudy Gobert lens or a Carl Anthony Towns lens. Well, also, I don't want to brush over this at all because it is a factor that I that we can't hit on that no trade clause definitely had some factor on on what Beal was traded for. It literally shrunk his market to teams that only he would approve going to. So those teams like Phoenix, Phoenix basically giving them everything they got. They just didn't have that much to offer. So would have Beal got could have Beal been traded for more if the all 29 teams could have bid on him? Probably. Again, I don't know what the delta is there. But personally, I, I think just having read some stuff, listened to some stuff today, I think that's getting a little overrated in what the impact of that no trade clause was on the return. I think the main reason Beal was traded for, quote unquote, so little was because of the size of his contract. Beal has four years and $208 million left on his contract. I think that's what sunk his value. I mean, that's a that's a big number. We've been we've been talking about that with Towns on his supermax coming, what Gobert makes, and all of that. And by, by comparison, I guess to compare and contrast the Gobert trade a year ago, Gobert had four years and one hundred and seventy million left on his contract a year ago when he was traded for last year. Again, Beal this year for two hundred eight. Now that's a chunk less. That's a cheaper contract, but it's not substantially less. That four years and one hundred seventy million for Gobert. In today's dollar, with the cap having gone up by 8%, is about the equivalent of four years and 185 million. So I think if you want to look at those two trades, Beal was traded for what he was traded for at 4208 and Gobert at 4185. Or even more simplistically, Beal was traded at 35% of the salary cap and Gobert was at 31% of the cap. Gobert was also 30 years old. When he was traded for last year and Beal turns 30 next week. So it's not only similar cap figures, it's similar ages or the same age. And, you know, then the other, I think, similar factor, though, this kind of lies in the eye of the beholder. I think 
Beal and Gobert are similar levels of player overall, right? Very different styles of player, but we got out a pen and paper and started ranking the top 75 players in the league. Beal and Gobert are probably within 10 players of each other, right? They're in that same sort of tier. For example, the ringer has Beal ranked as the 42nd best player in the league right now. Gobert is number 52. And they had Gobert higher a year ago when he was 30 than what he is now uh, at, at 31 years old. So that would lead me to believe that Gobert's value, if he were traded, if he were put on the trade market today, would be similar to what Beal was just traded for. Maybe Gobert's value equation would be more like the Beal return plus whatever the cost of the no trade clause was. So the Beal return plus X, maybe that ends up looking something similar to neutral salary filler and a likely protected first. Maybe that's more what Gobert's trade value would be. Again, it depends how what you plug into that equation exactly. Again, there's no way to know that exactly, particularly with the no trade clause weird factor in there, but I'd say that's about where the tea leaves point. But that probably isn't the equation Wolves fans are trying to solve right now. The more relevant question seems to be, what does the Beal trade return tell us about what Carl Anthony Towns' trade value could look like if he were put on the market? So let's run through that in the same way. Again, remember Beal has four years and $208 million on his deal left, 35% of the cap, and that equaled a handful of seconds, and a couple of pick swaps. Well, by this time next summer, Cat will be starting his Supermax contract, which is four years and 224. Again, 35% of the cap with the cap going up. That's almost the exact same contract as Beal, same years and same cost. But that doesn't mean the trade return would be the same at all, right? It depends on other factors in there as well. Cat has some factors that suggest his turn, his return would be higher. Towns is younger in a year when he's about to start his Supermax. He'll be 28 and a half years old. Again, Beal's 30. That should juice some value. Towns also does not have a no trade clause in his contract, which also adds juice to the value of his deal if you were to put him on the market. And then three, again, this one kind of lies in the eyes of the beholder too, but Towns is probably just viewed as a better player than, than Beal. You know, maybe similar tiers again, but Whereas, you know, Rudy's maybe a small step below Beal. Cat seems to be maybe a small step above Beal. Again, to use the ringers rankings as a very not scientific example, but an example nonetheless. They have Beal ranked as the 42nd best player and Cat as the 31st best player. You know, maybe with a bounce back year, Cat's perception uh, goes up five or 10 spots in that, which that's all to say Cat's value in a year should reasonably be viewed as a good chunk better than what Beal's value is today, even though they have nearly identical contracts. And then I think there's one other factor that could boost Cat's trade value even more that some you know, fans won't like to hear, but that's putting him on the market now and not waiting until his contract spikes up to that 50 million number, the Beal level number. Again, Cat's, Cat's cap number goes up to 35% of the cap a year from now, but now he's at this year going into this season, he's at 36 million, which is just under 27% of the cap. A team trading for him now, if that were to happen, is not absolved of taking on that Supermax contract in the out years, 
but the matching salary for a trade right now is easier to execute. It's some degree easier to execute when his cap hit is 36 million versus 50 million in a year. Now that's hard to quantify exactly what value that would bring. But again, when we're talking about adding juice, I think that adds some juice to it too. It's most likely that Cat's trade value will never be better going forward than it is today. Now that's not certain. If Cat has a great year, that makes him even more attractive than he is today. And maybe that makes a year from now his best trade value. But my estimate would be that it's more likely than not that this is the best his trade value will ever be. So if you're Tim Connolly and you're weighing this out, you have to factor that in. But that's not the only factor either if you're Tim Connolly, right? They also have to be weighing the value of continuity. They have to be weighing the fact that they didn't get a full picture of how good Cat can be next to Gobert due to the injury, you know, breaking up the season or Cat next to Ant that they only seen in limited chunks too, very limited chunks next to Gobert. And they also have to weigh the factor that it's a near certainty that if you trade Cat now, that you're getting back less immediate talent in return. That's a knock. Whether that's just because the main piece they got back in a trade would be, you know, a young player, maybe a draft pick, something like that, or simply because Cat's value, if he were to be traded right now, might be for a mixed bag of like two or three things that maybe aggregated together all equals up to Cat's value. But in terms of individual talent, it would probably set the team back. You know, that's, I think that's what the smoke signals seem to be illustrating. The logic is of, you know, running it back. They know that Cat's value more than likely drops in a year. Sure. And they know their overall salary cap situation gets significantly more complicated in a year. But they also know that trading Cat this summer, more likely than not, makes them a worse team for this season. Now, would it have been good news for the Wolves if Beal got traded for a greater return? Of course. But I think going through this kind of thought exercise this morning, I, I don't think it's fair to say if the Wolves wait a year, they'll only get the Beal return back from Cat. That's that's not what it looks like right now. If we just go through what I just went through, they'll probably get more than that, or it seems like a safe bet that they will get a good chunk more than that, which is good news. But again, not the only factor at play here. There are cases to be made that the return would be higher now than it will be in a year. There's cases to be made that it will be better for their books to trade him for $36 million of returning salary now, rather than waiting a year where they would need to trade him for $50 million of salary coming back. And there are cases to be made that some financial changes will just need to happen a year from now and changes that could very well point at Cat being the change. I mean, it's a lot of factors and it doesn't point to one obvious answer or not. I mean, I think people have opinions where they would take all this information and, and point. You guys kind of know where my logic points, but this is what Tim Connolly and the front office are paid the big bucks to weigh and figure out. I just thought, because we talked about this last week, that it was worth laying out the fact that we got a nugget of information in the form of a Beal trade that cuts through a little bit of the haze when trying to weigh what the value is of a star player on a Supermax contract in this salary cap environment. All right, that's all I got on Beal for now. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit uh, throughout the week, throughout the, the rest of the offseason. But we're going to take a quick break here. And after the break, I'll be joined by Chris Hine to discuss a more immediate factor that Tim Conley has to weigh out here in the coming weeks, and that is Nas Reed. 
Uh, back with Chris in a minute. Today's show is brought to you by the Genesis Company. As an entrepreneur, do you envision your innovative products on retail shelves? If that is you, then listen up. The Genesis Company is your guide to retail triumph. Their expert team has aided over 300 brands, generate more than $3 billion in retail sales, and is dedicated to transforming your dreams into reality. The Genesis Company amplifies your brand's potential by leveraging advanced marketing strategies and the latest technology. They specialize in extending direct-to-customer brands into mass retail and enhancing retail brands, DTC, or Amazon presence. But they offer more than just marketing. From retail consulting, packaging, and sales strategies to operations, financing, and supply chain management, they provide a comprehensive end-to-end solution. And here's the best part. The Genesis Company is invested in your success. They're not just a service provider. They're your partner in growth. When your brand wins, they win too. If you're ready for the next level, contact them today at grow at the Genesis company.com. Let's scale your brand together. Today's episode is brought to you by Hyacinth Restaurant and summer in the NBA means the off season, but summer is also absolutely the season at Hyacinth Restaurant in St. Paul. The team at Hyacinth is working tirelessly to bring you the most delicious, vibrant food the state of Minnesota has to offer. The chefs, they're hitting all the metro farmers markets and partnering with local farms so you know You're getting the freshest, most in-season products that you can get your hands on. I've been to Hyacinth a bunch of times for special occasions or just the casual impromptu meal, and I think they excel at both. I love getting the staple menu items, the Bucatini Casiote e Pepe. I've loved there, and uh, I've gone with Kyle a couple times. His favorite is the chicken parm. But they do surprise me every time with an array of seasonal dishes that I didn't get on my last visit, and I think that's the best thing about Hyacinth. I get... I get the comfort of a reliable standby and the feeling of discovery all in the same meal. So make a reservation on their website, hyacinthstpaul.com, to select a seat at a table, the bar, or the summer-only sidewalk patio. That's Hyacinth Restaurant on Grand Avenue in St. Paul. All right, we have Wolves beat writer Chris Hine from the Star Tribune joining us for the first time in a few weeks. Uh, Chris had the chance to interview Nasreed last week in advance of a free agency decision due for Nas here in the coming weeks. So we'll dive into the Nas topic a bit uh, with Chris. We'll also do some general, what do we what do we think Tim Conley is up to over there? Uh, talk in advance of the draft here on Thursday. Happy draft week, Chris. How have you been? I'm doing all right. Got a little time off, family time back in Pennsylvania where I'm from. Um, and now we're back for the busiest part of the off season, which is this couple of three weeks or so, however long it is. I mean, usually there's draft stuff yeah. to talk about, but uh, not this year. Yeah, we've gotten we've gotten an easy hand dealt to us in that sort of way. I mm-hmm. I was over at the facility today, and they had some <laughs> some of the draft guys in for draft workouts, and I'm like embarrassed. I don't know anything about like any of the players. I'm like, you know, it's okay. I've spent plenty of time talking about the Wolves and draft picks and lottery picks and all that. There, there's there's something nice about just being like, okay, the questions this summer are about the free agency and not even really the starting lineup. Like it is as much as we yeah. kind of hyped up this offseason, it feels like because we're talking about next offseason, it's a pretty normal, like low stress. If you just look at the item, action items, right? Like it's a couple right. of your bench players are free agents uh, one important one in Nas, which we'll talk about, but it, it's just, uh, I, I don't know if that's just a product of 
the season that was or a team with more expectations. But uh, we've we've stirred this up to be uh, maybe a lot more than it looks like on on paper. I guess it's a it's a little bit of both. But I thought it was awesome. You got the chance to connect with Nas a little bit uh, right in advance of, you know, of his pre-agency decision he's going to be making here in the this three week window you're talking about. Uh, so let's start with that conversation with Nas. I have a few quotes from the interview that kind of stuck out a bit to me, but you were there talking to him. What what stood out most to you um, that he said from your chat with Nas? I think he's approaching it with uh, both eyes open and in the sense that he's not going to let emotion sway him. Uh, the fact that his friends, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, want him here, mm-hmm. um, he's not going to let that sway him. He doesn't seem determined to be all focus on just getting a starting job like if somebody offers him a starting job that would be great for him and he would like that and it would certainly help a team's chances of getting him um but the situation matters to him the fit matters to him all that stuff seems to matter at least in the conversation that i got so it's it's a complicated process a lot of factors at play money obviously plays a huge role the type of role he has is going to play a big part in this. And where do the Timberwolves kind of intersect with all of these things that he's prioritizing that they're prioritizing? Right. It it seems like there is common ground in terms of what they might be able to pay him, what kind of role he's looking for. Um, but you never know. You just never quite know how things are going to shake out once, once, you know, midnight of, July 1st hits and you know we see what we see what happens around the league and so it's 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 a lot of balls in the air I think and we just kind of have to see where it all lands in the coming weeks here yeah the the role part is what I kind of focused on or thought about after reading that which was what he said to you is you know I definitely want more of a role than the early season role which he had which was nothing he wasn't really in the rotation at the beginning of the season so that's not not breaking news uh, there, but he he did say, you know, a starting role or a bigger role would be a priority in the free agency process. But he did say he thought they could find something close to that in Minnesota. And I kind of took that to mean a little more than even that he had at the end of the season, you know, which that role went, sure. once Cat and Rudy got back and he was a big part of that, but it was, I kind of took it as if that's going to be my role as the third big, I want as big as that role can be. Does that make sense? Right, right. He wants to maximize maximize it as yeah. Like is, tw- is twenty is twenty two minutes enough? See, and you and, know that, like, that's kind of what it was. Like exactly, twenty two minutes. Right. So is that enough? I I would have gotten this question wrong, but. Do you know how many games that he played in with Cat once Cat got back? Um, not many. I Dude, mean, it I was mean, three. Three, right? Because he got I, hurt I, pretty soon after Cat got back. In my head, it was like yeah. eight or something like that. I was just going yeah. back through it th- this morning, looking at it. It was, it was that Atlanta game, the what movies are made of <laughs> game where where Cat <laughs> right. made his return. Right. Uh, right. Was the Golden State game yep. where Cat hits the. You know that and then the, critical three. Yeah. Then there's then the, the Sacramento game. game. He but 
Nas plays Cat. in that game. Cat does not. Cat does not play, right. And then it was the Phoenix game, was the third game, which Nas breaks his wrist in. So right. it's, I, I find myself thinking about, like, after looking at that, and I was like, how big of a role can they even really offer him? Because I was just looking at it. It's like that first game, Cat comes back. He's limited to 26 minutes. So Nas plays 26 minutes. Rudy plays 33 minutes. And then there's like 11 other big man minutes that were probably but to Torian Prince or Kyle Anderson or whatever at, at like power forward. Right. But Cat's obviously going to play more than 26 minutes next season. And he kind of ramped that up until the the last Phoenix, the, the last game they both played in was that Phoenix game. Cat plays 34 minutes. Nas plays 23 minutes. Rudy plays 35 minutes. I think that's those are 34 for Cat, 35 for Rudy, you know, probably both in that 35-minute yeah. range. And Nas got 23 in that game, which means there was four extra big man minutes that were that were played in that. So, like, to me, that says in a night that Cat and Rudy are both playing and play, not in foul yeah. trouble, not hurt, anything like that probably the top is about 25 for Nas and that maybe 27 and that one would be 27 but that would mean that Kyle Anderson isn't getting any minutes in the big spot either and so Kyle would need to like play the three again and I'm just thinking about this through what is the way sure. what is the most possible minutes Nas could play if Rudy and Cat are both having a full game it is kind of like that 25, 27, maybe 28 minute number, but that comes with the caveat of Kyle or Torian or Josh Minot, whoever is not getting any minutes at the four there. And I don't know. I mean, that's kind of close to a normal 28 is like kind of close to a normal middling, you know, middle of the pack starting center, lower end of the pack starting center, right? They don't all play 35 minutes. So it's probably about what he would get elsewhere, right? If he went and signed with with another team but i'm not sure the wolves can even offer that the 27 28 minutes if kyle anderson is going to be part of the mix at power forward which i think we would both assume he would be so i don't really have like a a, a take on that it was just my first time actually going through those numbers and then like that's about the top end of that role and there's other bigs on the team too who who are also in the in the mix here as well. So I'm sure that's what they're what they're looking at there. But it that that stood out to me when I was looking it up this morning. So I, I do wonder, you know, you mentioned Kyle Anderson a lot. How much do they want him to play next year? Like, do, right. do we think he's gonna get his full complement of what he played this year? I mean, he was starting because obviously Carl was was out for so long and they just Mm-hmm. generally just needed him is is there a world where kyle anderson takes a step back in minutes and that's just where it comes from for Nas? maybe him and conley next year right, right. like i don't think yeah. you probably want either of those guys averaging over they 30 were last year yeah right. and i think i think i could see that yeah and and so yeah you know kind of just off the top of my head doing some of, how do you get maybe kyle does take a little bit more of wing minutes where he's doing his pseudo point guard type of thing it just to me it would to have Nas and have him be as big of a role as he is basically stating he wants you would need to reconfigure what Kyle Anderson is doing which I do think you have some room for given the lack of point guard depth on this team and that 
Kyle did functionally play a decent amount of point guard. So it's not that it couldn't work. It's just, it's a bizarre way. Like, okay, Kyle, stop it's, playing it's, power it's, forward. It's a puzzle, it's a puzzle <laughs> yes. they're going to have to figure out <clears throat> if they haven't already figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, they're gonna have to shift some things around, move guys, like you mm-hmm. said, move guys into different positions. But I think generally, if they if they tell Nas they have this role for him, they're not gonna. I don't. I don't think they're gonna go back on it. Right. Um, I I I do wonder, you know, if he has a bad stretch of games. Mm-hmm. This would this would be my thing if I was Nas Reed in this situation. I like if, I go to a, if I go to a team that that makes me their starting center, and I'm playing thirty plus minutes a night, like, like I can play I can play mistake free basketball, right? Yeah, or not concerned it's, about making, or mistakes. not really concerned about your minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Here on this team, I feel like you're never more than a necessarily a bad week away mm-hmm. in his scenario from seeing those number of minutes really start sure. to diminish. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and how much then does that preseason? Oh yeah, we're going to play you twenty five minutes a night, no right. matter what. How much does that hold weight if he's not, you know, if he's if he struggles for a little bit, and then does that mm-hmm. then begin to snowball into he's unhappy and you know it snowballs out of control. He, he his play suffers as a, as a result. I could see a scenario or a world yeah. where that sort of thing kind of happens. Well, and where, couldn't you see the recourse being like you know? And, you know, knock up wood, we're open for this. But if the Wolves came out a little bit rocky at the beginning of the season, right, and the mistakes are up as they might just naturally be at the beginning of the season where you're putting things all together, like mm-hmm. what was Chris Finch's go-to calm things down last year? It was Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson, yeah. So that's why that's in what you're laying out there. I, I do think that that's what it would be. It'd be like, okay, maybe we're going to go to Kyle because he's a little bit even if he's less talented or less fast or whatever than Nas, maybe we give him more of the power forward minutes to kind of calm things down. Because as good as Nas is, that is one of his weaknesses, right? Is kind of the volatility of his of his play. So that's that's a good point. What we also should probably say though is Cat's not gonna play in all 82 games. Rudy's not gonna play in all 82 games right, either. Right. Like it could end up being one of those things where it just naturally shakes itself out. And you're yeah. like, season's over and Nas has averaged 27 and a half minutes a game because Rudy missed 15 games and Carl missed 15 games. You know, something like that. Right. Or Kyle Anderson isn't even there as another right. option. I mean, but yeah, to your point, Nas would have to have some trust in in what they are laying out for him and some understanding of what those puzzle pieces were and how the puzzle might move um, over the course of this season. And ultimately, as, as you wrote in the article, and as he said to you, it's, he's going to, like the, the main factor here is, is going to be money. It's if, if, if the money is equal, right. And you're right. weighing this third big role with the wolves versus a starting role on a bad team, you know, maybe that gets him to pick the wolves in this situation. But I would say if, and only if he felt confident, he had that 25, minutes a night uh type of role but part of it too chris and what like the aunt jaden stuff stood out too is it would probably be a long-term deal and he would kind of now be in this window with aunt and jaden over the next four or five years or whatever it, it might be maybe that role grows over the course of time and he has some he has some confidence in that what 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 stood out to you about the the parts that he was talking to you about as it related to 
wanting to keep that continuity with two of his friends who are about his same age and Anthony Edwards and Jane McDaniels. I think there's definitely a, a comfort level that matters to a player like Nas mm. and kind of reverting back to what I was saying before about maybe you go to a different situation. Yeah. They, maybe they play you 30 plus minutes a night, but is it, is it the same kind of comfort level with teammates, with the situation, with the city, with the, yeah, coaching staff, what, what, have, what have you, right? Like there is a, a comfort level here. Nas knows this team. This team knows Nas. They know how to use him. Um, he plays well with these guys. He plays well in Finch's system. I think he's a perfect fit for Finch's offensive system because he is a, a quick a decision mobile, maker. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a mobile, quick decision maker, which is what this offense demands. So, I think it's a good it's a good fit just from a basketball perspective and a and a personality perspective uh, between Nas and the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. But again, the other factors might not line up that another team might be able to offer him. And does he go and chase that, or does he not go and chase that? My and uh, honestly, like I I don't have a I can't handicap that or forecast it either <laughs> way. I don't think he I don't even think he knows the answer to that right. question right now. Um, so that kind of stood out to me is I think there's, there's just a familiarity, a comfort level between him and this franchise that is going to be hard for another team to replicate as it pertains to really kind of nurturing and developing what he does and maximizing what he does well and trying to minimize what he doesn't do well. I want to keep going on Nas. Let's grab our, our, our break here. I have a, a, a couple other thoughts uh, on Nas, and we'll trickle that into the, the offseason as a whole. Back with Chris Hine here in a minute. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs, and Bird Dogs is a comfortable clothing line that makes you look good. I'm a fan of Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts because most of my shorts are made of stiff, restricting cotton, but the Bird Dogs pair I have, they fix that issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks like khaki, but stretches so you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. They use an anti-stink anti-sweat fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I mean, Bird Dogs is the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they just fit way better. So if you're looking for a more comfortable set of shorts this summer, I really would recommend Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code pool, P-O-O-L, for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. They promise you. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week, and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, It was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set, and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code Dane Moore for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, 
Create an account and use the code DaneMore, all one word, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Chris. So I was at the facility today. Uh, the Wolves were doing some draft workouts. And a lot of Wolves, like, roster players were there. I was surprised Rudy Gobert's in town. I, I didn't know that. Nas Reed was there. Uh, Jade McDaniels, Jordan McLaughlin, Wendell Moore, Josh Minot, I think uh, Luca Garza was there, too, which, one, stood out to me because I didn't see him. He, he might have been. But, you know, you know, we're just kind of standing over on our side of the half. If they walk through, you see them. If not, you don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but th- this was uh, this is what it reminded me of seeing Nas specifically. You remember, I think it was two summers ago when we were uh, in Vegas for Summer League and Jordan McLaughlin and Jared Vanderbilt were both free agents. And that went really long. Remember, it was like didn't happen until the end of the summer where those right. guys signed extensions. But J-Mac and Vando were like with the Wolves all through at Summer League and at the team events and stuff like that. And I thought of that today when I saw Nas there, whereas... Other players who have been in free agent situations like Nas is now or Vando and J-Mac were back then, they're often not around if there's not a decent to good chance that they're back. And I look at the Nas situation, I go, on on paper, it doesn't, for his perspective, for the reasons we laid out, if I was his agent and had no, like, say or whatever, I'm like, maybe in other situations, better for you. But this, to me, suggests he and his agent and the team, everything going off of a past example of, of what, you know, I've noticed over the years in this, I think that is a good sign for, for Wolves fans that Nas is here. He's still, as I think you wrote in the article, like he's living in Minnesota this summer and he's been at the facility he's been here, yeah. for, for the most part of, of the year. So, you know, that's kind of up in the clouds, you know, connecting some dots, but I think there's something I think there's something to that, that uh, he's open minded to to being back here in the sense that 
illustrated by the fact that he's here. He's been here and, you know, the season ended about like six, seven weeks ago. I mean, a lot of players don't don't typically do that. So do that. I, I took that to mean something, if not a ton. I, I think I think it's it's right to think that that is a positive thing to have happen. Um, all along, like the the conversations and the the, the talks between Nas and, and the Wolves over this have been productive and, and good. There haven't been like there haven't been really any any bad vibes or anything coming out of right. how they've been talking about things. I think Nas's position has just been. I want to see what's out there. I, I just, I just, this is my first time potentially getting paid. I was playing for, you know, the, the minimum for the first four years of my career. Like this is my chance to get paid. I want to see what's out there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we'll see. Uh, Minnesota will probably still be there at the, at the, you know, after Nas looks around a little bit. Yeah, um, because they so. can like Nas can go out and see what his market is. And he can right. enter it with the idea of like, whatever, say the Wolves are just like, hey, we're at 12, right? And Nas right. goes, all right, well, I'm going to go out and look. And, you know, maybe him and his agent are hopeful that there's a 15 a year type deal. But again, you can't know the market, particularly if you're not at the top of the market as Nas is. Right. You don't really know how the space and how teams are going to, you know, be using their exceptions and all those sort of things. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm on the record of thinking that Nas is going to be one of the players given his age, and I think he still has some upside off of it, that it would be the team, that he would be the type of player that gets maybe more guaranteed money than or just a bigger salary than than we expected. But there's particularly now with this new CBA, like stuff's gonna get weird sometimes. And ra- yeah, players are yeah. gonna randomly get pinched here and there. And who knows? Maybe it comes out and there's only like a handful of teams who have the mid-level exception. And a cup, it ends up he only getting the offer from one or two of them, and they're not great options. Or maybe it's not even for the full twelve. And then the wolves can kind of circle back, or he can circle back to the wolves, and and go in that direction. So I I think, I think for both sides, like you're the wolf, you don't need to come out right now and floor him with an offer. You can kind of treat it like restricted free agency, right? Like go out yeah, and go see, see go what, see you, what can else get. you can get. Yeah, and yes, we can't match it. We don't have like the matching rights to force you to come back here like they do with right. Alexander Walker, but you can kind of throw something out there. Um, you know, th- there can be an ongoing discussion over the course of the next three, four weeks as, as Nas starts getting offers. So it'll be interesting to track. I-, I-, I don't know. I mean, if I were to handicap it, I would say less likely than likely that he's back. But you know, it's it's one of those we don't have enough information yet. I, I don't think we it's it's, it's got to it's got to play out. I kind of left it at fifty fifty myself. <laughs> like just I I don't I, I that's not like a firm mm-hmm. a, a firm grasp of, of it either. It's just at, at learn on, on this beat. You just learn and observing the NBA, everything is so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. You just you just don't know how it's going to play out. Whether it it's free agency or it's trying to figure out what you could get for a guy in a trade, what a guy's trade market is. All this stuff is so unpredictable. And I think the only ones we know when we're around the team is you get a feel of the players that definitely aren't going to be back when they're right. a free agent. You can kind of just haven't been around over the course of the year. You're like, yeah, it seems yeah. unlikely. There's been a handful of those over the course of the years that we've been doing this that 
And that played out to be true. I don't get that sense with Nas. Like I don't get that. At, I, I don't at, get at it. All. I don't get it with the I don't get it with Nikhil Alexander Walker either. That's a good point. Um, that's a good point too. I, I, I would get that with Jalen Noel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's what <laughs> um, I was kind of alluding to. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um and yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It but it just he does seem determined to look for a starting job mm-hmm. slash more money opportunity, what what have you, just to see what's out there. And then mm-hmm. you make your you weigh it, you just weigh it, pros and cons, right? Yeah. Pros and cons of each situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just go from there. Um I I do think the pull of of leaving these guys is a strong one though. That, I, I, no, think, that's, I, I don't that's think huge. you can underestimate that. I, it's not just like a, a cute little thing that I'm putting in my story. Oh, his teammates really want yeah. him back. Like, no, like these are his, these are his guys, you know, he wants to. And you've yeah. covered Nas for four years. Yeah. You can kind of, you pick up on tone things and you can kind of tell yeah. when a guy's being real with you. And I yeah. imagine if you wrote that in your story, that's what he was given off. In- yeah. That, that's a hundred percent. Right. And, and not, that's one of the things that I think we've appreciated about Nas is that he is a very genuine dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when we've talked to him, you know, he, he like, he doesn't really hold too much back. Right. Straight shooter. Um, what, what he's a straight shooter when, when you interview him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's all, I think everything he said was, was, was very joy and, and if you can read even i think in some of the quotes like and i i included i didn't try to clean up any of his quotes i kind of left some of the language in there because like he some of his answers would go in different directions <laughs> yeah, you know because yeah. and i wanted i wanted to keep it that way because i i wanted to kind of portray like mm-hmm. listen he's still he's in his head about trying to figure all this stuff out and you know he might have one thought here and another thought here he, he stops mid thought and says something else. Like, like I want to keep all that in when I, when mm-hmm. I had some of the quotes, because yeah. I think it's, it's kind of revealing about just where his head is at in this, in this process right now. I've been nervous, excited. I just don't know what to expect. Well, I do, but I don't at the same time. I'm That's just exactly ready for this to one, be over yeah. with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just ready for this to be over with. <laughs> exactly. That, um, that, that was the quote. Well, uh, check the, the article out. There's a handful of Nas quotes in there. Uh, Timberwolves Center, Nas Reed looking for the best fit uh, in free agency. That's that's up at the Star Tribune. Uh, Chris, just, you know, broadly, you know, we've texted and stuff about the the future of the Wolves. And as we've as kind of been seemed like the flow of this month, it started with everyone being like, whoa, 24, 25, super expensive, new CBA, all that. And now we're kind of more practically approaching. All right, here comes the draft. Here comes free agency. All signals publicly from the team are something more like run it back or are much more focused on this season than, um, you know, the bigger picture of, of the finances and how this team's built out. As you just think about kind of putting the 24, 25 problems, leaving them for tomorrow, and you think about how this offseason might kind of play out like what are what are you thinking Tim Conley is thinking in terms of building out the rest of this roster for the 23-24 season it seems like the the continuity and, and patience or whatever buzzwords cliches you want to use I think that's where they're at yeah like that's that seems to be the the general the general vibe um and look that was his philosophy in Denver and they just won a title 
Yep. You know, on the back of you know a, a decent amount of that roster that he assembled and put together, the coach obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's just not just his talk, but it's been his actions as a as a GM at a previous stop, where this is how he approached it. He's not he's not going to try and you know make a knee jerk reaction and. I, I don't get the sense, at least right now, listen, it's the, again, right. it's the NBA, anything can change at any moment. I just think they want to see what they have because I don't think they think that they were that far away from being a, a, right. contend, a contending team in the West. They weren't. They weren't. If yeah. they just beat teams that were, you know, at the bottom of the standings, they were a, they were a first round, maybe a four seed, five right. seed, you know. It, um, it, it does seem that is the the thought process and in a lot of ways you know there's there's absolute justifications for that right and even if there's looming doubts about what running it back means which i you know i've stated that's where my head goes but it it does seem like tim Connolly to you know he made this one big move at the beginning and then to me it seems like since making the Gobert trade, he's been trying to find continuity in the roster, right? And he's made other right. moves in trading D'Lo for Conley and all that, but kind of setting a path that looks like something that can be continuity for the next few years. And I think we should be probably focusing not only just on his track record in Denver of being that way, but that kind of looks like the groundwork he's laid out over the past 12 months the Gobert trade aside and, you know, again, and things could be different. I don't take a lot of particularly before the off season, you know, process starts what people are saying. I don't think that stuff's always, even if it's Conley or Finch or whatever, you don't need to take that stuff as the Bible, but Right, because different things can come up and different things can change. They're not in a place incentivized to be like, "Oh, we're thinking about actually blowing it all up," you know. But at the same time, I I really could see them, you know, continuing to lay this groundwork here and making just some moves on the margins. Because yeah, really, like the only free agent decisions are Nas, Nikhil, Jalen Noel's a free agent, Austin Rivers. I mean. It kind of feels like it very well could be a try and bring back Nas and Nikhil and then fill the roster out with a second round pick or two um, and veteran minimums like that kind of yeah. very similar to the way that seemed, that the roster was playbook. Concerned. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it does, you know, and I think to some people who are now feeling the doom of 24, 25 or telling themselves it's doom. Um, that bothers them, but I don't know. I don't know what to tell people other than this is where the signals I think we're getting uh, are that it's it's going to be something pretty, you know, pretty bland here over the <laughs> over the next few weeks. Now that might well, sound really stupid now, in two weeks. Dane but. Moore says that it, on June nineteenth, twenty twenty three, at one fifty nine in the afternoon. Dane Moore said, "Uneventful offseason. Everybody, everybody, bookmark that uh, for yeah, when for yeah. when the whole roster gets blown up in two weeks." Now, um, I'm 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 with you. That's that's the that's the sense that we've been getting, and it, and again, it, it matches 
with his history as a GM. I, th- I think one thing that, you know, just to keep in mind with, with Tim Connolly um, and in just covering this team now and, and looking at what he did in Denver, I think one thing that matters a lot to, to Tim Connolly is the kind of guys that are a part of a team and a, and an organization. Yep. Um, I think character, um, work ethic, um, you know, things like that, I, I think matter to, to him. And those are the kind of guys that he seeks out. And maybe in some ways, uh, sometimes the kind of guys that you trade away, you know? Um, right. So I think when you, when you, go to look to see what moves might be coming or people that he might be targeting. I think you have to include that sort of stuff, that sort of stuff, the intangible kind of stuff and how a guy might be in a locker room or, you know, all that stuff I think matters to him in in building a winning culture and team. So, which to me, I I should have mentioned Torian uh, Prince who has non-guaranteed kind of decision to be made on his contract too as another kind of inflection point of the offseason, even if not a huge one. But it's interesting. Nas Reed, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Torian Prince are three guys that I think are very representative of what you were just talking about with with how Conley views things. Guy, Good guys, um, hard workers, no problems in the locker room type of dudes. It's it's interesting that those are kind of the three most meaningful rotation players that you could potentially lose here. And I think ultimately even disregarding 24, 25, and if you're not going to go into the tax, I think you probably have to choose between two of those three guys. Yeah. Regardless. Um, But it's what I've said is that's been my whole reason all along of like, I know it doesn't totally make sense for Nasri to come back here as he's grown a to come be on a team as the third center. But it kind of strikes me as the type of guy that Tim would really respect and would make a decision to keep just because he's that type of dude. Um, I that That's my kind of main reason for almost assuming that all three of those guys in TP, Na, and Nas would, would all be back. But then you got to factor in the money here too. Right. I just don't the think mo- it's going to be The money does get tight. The money gets tight pretty Real quickly. Tight. Yeah. To, to avoid the tax. So that's 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 where, you know, with Nas, it's how far can they go up without mm-hmm. having to, you know, maybe make changes elsewhere. Exactly. Um, and that's what, what does that number yeah. come in at? Because that then right. determines mm-hmm. how much else you have to offer TP or guarantee for TP or offer uh, Nikhil. I mean, if Nas walks... Like and he mm. just takes that other job, then it's not hard, really at all to, to back and, and, Torian, and, right. and and Torian and even go you know get another, uh, you know six seven eight million dollar player, uh, in in the mix there too. It'll it'll be interesting. I think a lot of it will be about market factors, but I I think some people probably outside of Minnesota who haven't really been following Tim Conley's track record or haven't really been following the wolves might be surprised by some of the decisions that he makes to keep continuity um in this group and i don't know who knows man maybe there is like some steps that are taken that are continuity and then there's a big blow up type thing too at the top of the roster like i i don't yeah, yeah. i i don't know this isn't uh 
this isn't a, a, a situation we're going to be particularly abreast to at, at this time of year. We're just going off of the degree to which we got to know Tim and how we think he operates. I think they're entering the draft on Thursday and off the offseason a week later with kind of uh, an open mind and seeing how the market uh, dictates things. It'll be it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens. You got like a prediction? Prediction for draft night or for free agency? For free or? agency. The draft night seems so boring. I know. Yeah. Um, I, I Again, I thought I think it's 50-50 that Nas comes back. Um, Nikhil more or less likely I th- than that. I think Nikhil, I think Nikhil is more likely to come back. Agreed. Um, Torian, I Tor- think, is over probably 50-50? back. Okay. I would say, I would say probably back. Um, so if you're ranking likelihoods, are you saying of those three, Nikhil the most likely to come back, Torian the second probably. most, Nas the third? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would put it in that order, most likely. Yeah. I would agree with that. That, that, that. That's what I would say too. But we yeah. don't know. <laughs> so we, we do not know. We will. Uh, I just, I just, we will yeah. See. And it's a fool's errand to say hmm. that we definitively know because we don't. So. And I don't even think they do, right? Because it is right. There are external factors here that will. Hmm. Uh, determine you know the hand that they play but overall um to the Nas point specifically as we talked about I think the likelihood that he's back or the signals that we've seen from him being in town from what he gave you uh in that interview it is a real possibility that an up-and-coming center or big um, might still be interested in being on a team that has two other all-star uh level bigs on, on their team as well we'll see how it ultimately uh, plays out. But uh, Chris, appreciate you coming on to talk about this. And everyone go check out that article uh, if you missed it over at the Star Tribune. I think it came out on uh, on Friday. We'll, we'll do it again soon, Chris. Thanks for doing it. Sounds good. Thanks, Dan. All right. He's uh, Chris Hine. Follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hine. Read that piece over at the Star Tribune. Uh, I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. We'll kind of play this week out as it, uh, as it kind of flows. And we have the draft on Thursday. I'm sure I'll be doing an episode Uh, late that night or on Friday morning, Uh, probably have some availability from Tim Conley uh, in advance of uh, draft night. So we'll talk about that a little bit too, but kind of roll with us uh, this week and these kind of coming weeks as we'll be hopping on the pod uh, with different guests as news presents itself. But until then, he's Chris Hine. I'm Dane. Talk to you later this week. Feeling better, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah